0: Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you are joining me today. And uh, as we begin this broadcast, I just want to let you know that this is a ministry of Hickory Ridge Community Church. And uh, we're so glad to be able to bring this broadcast to you. And uh, we want all of Hampton Roads to know not only the gospel, not only the good news, but we want them to become a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ. And so if you need help in your journey with your relationship with the Lord, we are here to help you. And I want to encourage you to come worship with us. Every believer needs to be connected with a local church that you are faithful in going to, that you are a member of. And don't just attend church, join a church, serve in that church, be a blessing to that church, be an encouragement to the members of your church. And uh, you discover the more you put into your church, the more you get out of your church. If you are looking for a good church home, why don't you come on down to Ridge Community Church? We are within 30 minutes of most of Hampton Roads' area. Uh, many of our people drive from Moyock, North Carolina, up into Chesapeake. We have people from Norfolk and Portsmouth and all parts of the Hampton Roads worshiping with us on Sunday. So come on Sunday at 9 o'clock or 1045. Man, we would love to have you come worship with us. We have a great time praising the Lord together. We have Ridge Kids for your children. Uh, We have nursery and preschool, and Ridge Kids is our children's ministry. We have youth ministries. We have uh, an academy that goes from six weeks up to K-5. If you are looking for employment and you love kids, we have opportunities for you to, to serve in that capacity. There's lots of places that you can serve and get connected at Hickory Ridge Community Church. So if you are interested in any of our ministries, please go to our website, hrcc7.org. Or if you just Google in Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia, our website will pop up. And on that website, you can listen to the previous broadcast if you missed a broadcast or if you want to hear a broadcast again. They're all listed on our website. You can go there and you can tune in. And uh, we'd be honored to have you come and check us out one Sunday. And then if you'd like to support this ministry, I want you to know that the broadcast expense uh, is covered primarily by the members of our church because we look at this as a ministry of our church. But if you are blessed by this ministry and you'd like to contribute, uh, you can uh, get on our website. You can give online, make a donation to the broadcast. Uh, you can just indicate it that it's for the Hope for Your Heart broadcast, and that will help us to pay for airtime and the costs of producing this broadcast. We would be eternally grateful for any support that you can offer. Well, we are in part two today of Lessons from Jacob. And I'm entitled to the message Don't Give Up. You know, when I was in college, At the beginning of every semester, uh, the president of that school would get up and he would say, now listen, there are 16 weeks in this semester. Don't give up. You can do anything for 16 weeks. In every beginning of the semester, every first chapel service of the semester, I'd hear a very similar message from the president. Don't give up. You can do anything for 16 weeks. Why don't you think about your life? I want you to know that the things that you refuse to give up on are the things that, that are most of a blessing to your life. I think about marriage. God has blessed me with 34 years of marriage. And there have been times, I got to be honest with you, that I felt like giving up and say, what is the use, right? And I just said, you know what? God's brought the two of us together, and uh, we are in a covenant relationship one with another. My total fulfillment doesn't come from my wife. My total fulfillment comes from Christ. She is my completer. She is my help meet, but she can't be God for me. You know, most marriages fall apart because one or both spouses have an over expectation of their partner. Uh, they expect their partner to do something that only God can do. Listen, don't get married to find somebody that can take care of every need that you have, because nobody can do that. Uh, we are complexly designed, and we are created in the image of God. And only God can supply all of our needs. Philippians 4, 19 says that my God shall supply for all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Now, he brings people into our lives to help us on this journey, to bring meaning and purpose to life, but your spouse cannot fulfill all the needs that you have in your life. And so, uh, when you think about giving up, you will never accomplish great things for God until you have bulldog determination, refusing to give up. Now, I think about people that give up. Some people are in a habit of giving up. Paul says some people are in a habit of not coming to church, and uh, they gave up on going to church. They get out of that habit, right? And people that give up create a bad habit in their life. Not only do they give up in one area of their lives, but they tend to give up in many areas of their lives. If you will determine that you're going to keep on keeping on, you' discover that you have a whole new level of tenacity. You discover that you don't get easily discouraged. You know, I trust the guy that gets fired more than I trust the guy who quits. You know not too long ago, I was interviewing a guy and he and he wanted to uh become uh one of our pastors and As I'm going through this interview, I looked at this interview. this guy's almost fifty years old, and I said, "Man, I'm looking at your resume. I says you haven't stayed at one church." For more than two years. I says, I think you have a problem with quitting. And I said, I don't want a quitter on my team. And I couldn't hire the guy because I didn't see a track record of consistency. Now, if he was 20 years old, that'd be a different story. But if you're 50 years old and you haven't worked one job more than two years, I think you have a problem with tenacity. I think you give up too easily. You got to hang in there, right? Hang in there. We learned from Jacob. He had a bad start. But that doesn't mean he was going to be a failure as he finished. He learned some valuable lessons. And so as we look at the life of Jacob, we learn, first of all, that Jacob didn't get started off very well. I mean, he grabbed the heel of his brother Esau. They were twins. As they're coming through the birth canal, right? We learn a valuable lesson about Jacob being born with this desire to supplant, this desire to be in charge, right? He was the second born, but he wanted the blessings of being the first born. Now God promised that he was going to get it, okay? But Esau had a problem with wanting to be large and in charge. So, just because you've had a bad start doesn't mean you have a failed finish. The second thing we learned yesterday is that failure can be repudiated by the right focus. Getting in the right focus Will eradicate the failure in your life. Why do you fail? You fail because you're distracted. You fail because you look in the wrong direction. When I think about the sin of the first murderer in the Bible, you remember Cain killed Abel. Now, the reason Cain killed Abel is because he was jealous. He was jealous of his brother Abel because Abel's sacrifice to the Lord was accepted. Cain's sacrifice to the Lord, which was a fruit of the land, something that he worked for, and he presented it to the Lord. And the Lord says, I can't accept that. But then God says something very interesting to Cain. He says, now, Cain, you're at a crossroads here. And he says that you have the opportunity to get this thing right. If you do the right thing, your offering will be accepted." But if you don't, sin is crouching at the door. In other words, sin is getting ready to pounce on you, Cain, because you've lost your focus. Instead of having your focus on God and and giving the sacrifice that the Lord requires of you, you're looking at your brother, and you're looking at his sacrifice, and you're wondering why you don't have the blessings that he has. And as long as you keep that focus in the wrong area— Sin will be crouching at your door. And if you don't quickly turn that around, you're going to be pounced on by the enemy. The enemy is going to take over. So just because you have failure in your life doesn't mean you have to stay there. If you will refocus on Christ, he will give you the victory. Here's the third point that we learned yesterday. We learned that great faults are always overcome with great faith. I hate to almost admit this now, because what I've been doing now, I've been doing for so long. But when I first started to preach, I was more nervous than a cat on a hot tin roof in the middle of July. And I had a difficult time getting past my anxiety and getting past being comfortable speaking in front of people. As a matter of fact, I truly questioned my call to ministry because I hated to speak publicly. As a matter of fact, when when I was in high school, uh, when I was going through high school, you had to have four years of English. You had to pass four years of English in order to graduate. Well, in my freshman year, I failed my English class. And the reason I failed my English class is not because I couldn't pass the grammar, uh, not because I couldn't pass the writing segment. Uh, of of English. Uh, my my problem was is that I had to give an oral oral presentation. And that oral presentation was to be 25% of my grade. And because my grade wasn't real strong, when you factored into a, a a zero in that 25% of my grade, it caused me to fail my freshman year of English in high school. And my teacher came to me and says, "Listen, just do the oral presentation. It doesn't have to be perfect." He said, if you get up there and and, and just give it a shot, uh, you'll probably get a passing grade on it. But I just, I refused. I said, I cannot get up in front of everybody. And so I had to repeat freshman English in high school before I could graduate, all because I was fearful of speaking in front of people. You know what helped me? Not focusing on that, that shortcoming. That didn't help me. That made it worse, as a matter of fact. I focused on faith, trusting in God. To give me the ability to do what he has called me to do. You see, it takes faith to believe that God can forgive and that God can restore. The only sin that God can't forgive is the one that is covered. So I said, Lord, I I confess to you right now the sin of fear and anxiety. When we cover up our sins, they keep reappearing. When we confess our sins, God covers them, never to be remembered again. I, I love that. He, he, he separates them as far as the east is from the west. That's what he does with our sins. But great faults are always overcome with great faith. And then we learn number four. The fourth lesson that we learned is that dysfunctional families can experience Forgiveness. And as we look at the story of Jacob, we're in Genesis chapter 29, verses 18 to 30. I won't read the whole text, I'll pick up a few points out of it. But we looked and we discovered that Uncle Laban, the father of Abraham, the deceiver, is now deceived by Uncle Laban. Jacob is going to be deceived by his own uncle. Fascinating story, right? In Galatians chapter 1, verse number 10, Paul says, you know, am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, when you are a people pleaser, and that is the the main focus of your life, and that's one of the reasons, I guess, that I was so fearful of speaking in front of people because I felt I had to please them. I, I thought I had to impress them by what I was saying. Uh, and, I, and I felt like I was always falling short of that, and, and I couldn't do it. But Paul says, if you are now trying to win the approval of humans, you're going to fall short. You can't be a servant of Christ. What helped me overcome my anxiety and my fear of speaking was realizing that I am speaking to an audience of one. I am going to give a message as a servant of Christ. If it blesses people, great. If it doesn't bless people, that's Okay. I'm a servant of Christ. Now, psychiatrists say people don't need more information, but they need transformation. So if you've got a very dysfunctional family, you need to experience functional forgiveness. The renowned child psychiatrist Robert Coles tells a story about the graduate class at Harvard University many years ago. There was a highly regarded psychiatrist told about all the despair. He says, I have been doing therapy with one man for 15 years. He's as angry, as self-centered, and as mean as he was the very first day he walked into my office. He says the only difference is now that he knows why he is angry and mean. Dr. Coles pointed out that although the psychiatrist provided his clients with a tremendous amount of insight as to how his childhood emotional woundings had affected his adult dysfunction, the man still hadn't changed. Cole asked, could we conclude that what this man needed wasn't just information, but transformation? But is transformation possible? for human beings? I say, absolutely. Now, it's not possible within just information. You know, one of the things, I guess, that concerns me as we look at the demise of the family, right? Oftentimes, we're trying to accommodate families in their dysfunction. Well, I've dealt with a whole lot of dysfunctional families, and I think giving them more information about why they're dysfunctional is not really helping them. They know they're dysfunctional. I was talking to a woman not too long ago who's been attending our church. She says, Pastor, I don't know what to do. I've been married five times. I said, I don't think you need any more information about how messed up and dysfunctional you are. I think you need to learn to be transformed. And so is it possible? You know, there's this universal desire that we have for a happy ending. I was reading a book not too long ago, and it's called The God Conversation. And this book talks about this universal desire for a story to always have a happy ending and to always end with the phrase, and they lived happily ever after. You know, it's a constant refrain found in movies and fairy tales and and even in love songs. You know, our well-meaning friends tell us, it's going to be all right. And we have proverbs that assure us that behind every cloud is a silver lining. This desire for a happy ending seems to be deeply embedded within us. This desire is so strong that some artists and directors they're forced to compromise in order to provide us with the ending that we want. In the 2013 film August, the actress in that movie plays this very harsh matriarch. This matriarch of a dysfunctional family. The film unrelentingly shows the family ripping itself apart. Scene after scene is void of warmth and humor or hope. The film fittingly ends with the main actress weeping in the arms of the housekeeper as each of her daughters abandon her. As the credit rolls and the audience uh, are presented with the scene of the eldest daughter, Julia Roberts, uh, standing in a failed smiling as she watches horses playfully run together as the sun goes down, casting everything in a golden hewn. In the background, a pop group sings in upbeat songs that says that things are always better when we're all together. Well, how was such an ending added to the troubling film? Well, John Wells, who adopted the play into a film, sheepishly admits he was pressured into it. When the movie had been shown to test audience, they had rebelled and demanded that the producer produce a a more happy and a more hopeful ending. Uh, Thus, the movie ends with a classic Julia Roberts smile and, and the pop anthem playing during a glorious sunset. The audience gets their happy ending, however forced. Now, as I think about that, so many people are striving for a happy ending by manipulating uh, the scenes of their lives and not coming to grips with just how bad their life has been. I want you to know this. There's only really one happy ending that you can have in your life, and that is found in Jesus Christ himself. You see, you can't fake it till you make it when it comes to having a happy ending. You've got to realize that Christ is the one that can turn your life around. He can take my dysfunctional family, and and the goal is not to redefine what a family is. The goal is to discover forgiveness and healing within my family through the blood of Jesus Christ. When I look at the life of Jacob, you talk about a messed up, dysfunctional family. Uh, The life of Jacob is not a, a story of how we should conduct ourselves as fathers or how we should conduct ourselves as family members. The story of Jacob is a story of God's radical forgiveness and radical reconciliation and how God can take somebody like Jacob, whose name means supplanter, and not just gloss over that fact, but radically change the very character of Jacob himself. You know, as you look at your life, maybe you haven't started off so well. That doesn't mean you're going to and as a failure, when you look at the failure in your life, repudiate it by putting your focus on Christ. Great faults are not overcome by redefining failure. Great faults are always overcome by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Dysfunctional families can experience functional forgiveness. Uncle Laban, father of Abraham, deceived his own nephew but god brought about redemption you see that's the story of the bible the bible records all of these dysfunctional events not so that we can feel better about our dysfunction so that we can see that forgiveness is found in christ well i've got one final point to share and this final point is understanding that that favoritism You know, it wreaks havoc within a family. Feelings and emotions, they're they're fleeting, right? So we should follow the Spirit. Now, Isaac had no reason to think that one of his sons would be rejected. Isaac, the father of Jacob and Esau, he believed that both of his children, that is, twins, would lead his nation as partners. Esau was supposed to be the general uh, who had that physical world, and Jacob would be more the spiritual leader, the, the high priest, carrying on that spiritual legacy. As a father of Leah and Rachel, the mothers of the 12 tribes of Israel, Laban has blood ties to the people of the Lord, but Laban never shares Jacob's faith, and not surprisingly, He gives God's chosen man much grief. You see, right away, we would expect Laban to play a mixed, if not an adversarial role in the history of the church. I mean, his name is likely uh, to be related to the cult of sin. A moon god worshipped in Haran, where Laban's great-grandfather, Terah, settled. Laban's connection to pagan worship becomes clearer Later on, we'll read of his household idols being being stolen in Genesis chapter 31. The Almighty called Abraham to worship him. But many of the patriarchs, many of the relatives, remain enslaved to false gods. Jacob is the Bible's everyman. Jacob embodied the nation of Israel literally and figuratively. And he is us not as our best, certainly, and not so much once Christ gets a hold of us, but we are all Jacobs, grasping for blessings that we don't fully believe, glimpsing the glory of Yahweh, disappointed by our Labans and our Leahs, but always in the grip of God. You see, after 20 years in exile to the household of his uncle Laban, his father-in-law twice over. Laban, God summons Jacob to return to the land in a life that was promised to him. When Laban chased him down, the Lord protected him. When Jacob went on his way, the angels of God met him. Not to the shepherds outside of Bethlehem did anyone see so many angels as Jacob. Yet Jacob was in great fear and distress because Esau. Was coming to meet him with 400 men. I want you to join me tomorrow as we finish that story of what happened in the life of Jacob and Esau. Thank you so much for joining me today. I pray that you will not give up. And if I can pray for you today, I'd be happy to do that. You can shoot me a text at 252 2365 and I will pray for you. Listen, it's always too early to quit. Hang in there. God's got a blessing in store for you if you don't give up. You know, when I think about the heavy and the wearisome load that we carry in our culture today, it's no wonder that people are throwing in the towel and giving up. You know that we are living in a culture now where one third of young people under the age of 21 are saying they are so depressed, uh, they are so overwhelmed with anxiety and fear that they would like to end their lives. That blows my mind. One-third of our young people are wanting to give up. There is hope. The hope is found in Christ. The hope is not found in some false stimulation through drugs or alcohol. It's not found in the social media outlets that we have. It is found in Christ. You can find hope in Christ and in Christ alone. And he's given us his wonderful word. The word of God is a lamp under our feet and a light under our path. Well, thank you again for joining me today. Please tune in tomorrow for the final part of this message. Don't give up. Lessons from Jacob. God bless you. I so appreciate you tuning in. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast.